0: You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders.
1: Second down and two, the hand off to Penny. At the 15, at the 10, at the 5. He's in! Touchdown, Seahawks!
0: Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday.
1: First and 10 at the Seattle 40. Play fake at Stafford. Going to stop, going to look. Gets hit, goes down! Back in midfield. Getting to him in the backfield is Daryl Taylor.
0: Presented by Delta, the official airline of the Seahawks. Now, here's your host, Jen Mueller.
2: A Christmas Eve game for the Seahawks brings, I don't know, little extra festivities to the whole mix. It's a wintry mix in Seattle and in Kansas City. John Boyle, it doesn't matter where we're going to spend Christmas. I mean, we'll spend it with family, but it's going
0: to be cold either way. I wouldn't even call it a winter mix in Kansas City. That's just straight up winter. There, there's no mix. <laughs> when you're getting into single digits, yeah, there's no ambiguity to it. It's just cold.
2: Yeah, but you know what? It does help you stay in the Christmas spirit. I was telling you before we started that as a kid growing up in Houston, I always wanted to wear at least a sweatshirt on Christmas. Like, just pretend that it's cold weather. It never was. It was like 65 T-shirt shorts weather. So I should not complain at all that it is a low of zero on Saturday and a high of 17. I'm glad it's a noon kick, John.
0: I'm glad I'm in the press box. <laughs>
2: <You know what? laughs> That's exactly right. Somebody asked me this week, though, if I would rather be anywhere else than on the sidelines. And I'm like, no, like even in these cold games, you're still right in the middle of it. And misery loves company. I mean, th- there are definitely some of us on the sidelines that just, you know. Just embrace it there you go. and fight for space in front of the heaters. OK, this is a big game for the Seahawks. We've been talking about that. It seems like every week and it seems like every week for the last few weeks, there has been the sense of the team that it is still within their control to get to the playoffs. That is true, John. They are going to need some help. But it does put a lot of emphasis on this game.
0: Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, the margin for error is a lot smaller than it was a few weeks ago, where, yes, they're, you know, look, if you went out and get to 10 wins, you're in pretty good shape to make the playoffs. If you start losing any more games, it gets tricky. You start putting yourself in a position of needing help from a lot of other teams. So, yeah, this is, I mean, they're all big. But at this point in the season, if you're still trying to get playoffs, every one of these games is massive.
2: Before we look at the matchup against Kansas City specifically, what did we learn in that Thursday night game against the 49ers?
0: I mean, my first thing I think is just we're reminded of how darn good that 49ers defense is. Like, hats off to them. The Seahawks could have done some things better. You know, they had a really crucial, pretty crippling turnover that changed the whole tide of that game. But, hey, I mean, first and foremost, I think you got to give a lot of credit to that defense they built in San Francisco. And then, you know, also I think that on a positive note, as much as maybe the final numbers don't show it, we saw some improvement from the Seahawks defense. It's a little skewed when you're, you know, you give up a huge run at the end of the game when you're crowding the line of scrimmage trying to to get that last stop you need. But, uh, you know, overall, the defense did a lot of things better than it has in recent weeks, which you're going to need going against, you know, the number one offense in the NFL.
2: Well, and they did show some resiliency, too, because yeah. that first quarter skewed heavily in favor of the 49ers when you look at total offensive yards. To come back in the second quarter then and to not be behind the sticks on every series, that was a big thing, too.
0: But- yeah, yeah, they did. I mean, they've, they've been good at that all year, and Geno Smith's been really good at that all year. I mean, you look at his second-half numbers in that game were really good going against you know what, as we just talked about, is probably the best defense in the NFL, so... You know He and this team have shown to be resilient, but uh, now they need that resilience to start translating to wins in a hurry.
2: Yeah, because as you mentioned, it is the best offense in the league that the Seahawks are going to face this week. They have got the uh, most points per game in the league, 29.6, and they are averaging 429 yards of total offense a game. Of course, part of that is because Patrick Mahomes, the, I would say, frontrunner, for nvp with the injury to jalen hurts mm-hmm. right i'd say so i, I would say he's a, he was always right up there but now there might be a more clear-cut decision on that one it certainly helps when patrick mahomes is running the show and has so much available
1: he can be messing with the, the rush over here spin out and and know that the guy all the way down the field on the other side has a chance to get the ball and, did, and, and the ball goes meaning that he has a feel for the entire field and and uh Everything is available to him because he's got a great arm and his release is excellent too, and he can release you know however he needs to. Um, that's not over you know overplayed you know when they talk about the different ways he can get rid of the football, it really does come into play for him. It really helps him uh, in the decision making that he can make because everything's available. He can be going this way and, and put it back over there, throw it across his body, the no looks and all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, but it's really his overall awareness. He's got amazing spatial awareness, and it it allows him to have everybody available. And so you can't rest I me. Mean, you may have a guy that slips and falls over here and he's going that way. And, and that guy pops up and bam, he'll find him. And uh, those, those unique plays are available to him.
0: I feel like that clip is a lot better with the visual of Pete moving his hands around. If he's over here and doing this, but yeah, I mean, that's, you know, we, we saw it for years in Seattle. When you have a quarterback who can make things happen off script, it's really hard to defend. And nobody does it quite like Mahomes in terms of, I mean, you see the throws on the highlights, darn near every week of just some absurd how'd he do that play um you know that's why as Pete carroll talked about yesterday john schneider loved patrick mahomes because you know the arm talent's insane but also the ability to just create and make things happen so yeah he's uh he's a very tough one to defend because it's unpredictable it's not just that he's good it's also unpredictable
2: But he's also consistent when he does that. He finished last week's game against Houston with 20 straight completions. And he completed 87% of his attempts. That is the highest completion percentage for any passer with at least 40 attempts in a game in league history. First of all, he threw the ball 40 times. Yeah, That's a lot of plays.
0: It is. And to, to be that accurate, throwing that often is, I mean, as you just said, it doesn't happen. I mean, that's... He is a very rare talent and this defense left a handful.
2: How much do you think it has been Mahomes developing and working on his own talent versus the coaching staff that he's with? Because in college, you could see the talent like you're talking Mm -hmm. about. John Schneider loved him, but it didn't translate to the wins
0: that you might have expected with that team. Are you trying to make the Patrick Mahomes as a system quarterback argument? Jen? No, I'm not. No, and, <laughs> I, and, and I know I'm
2: kidding, I, and I'm not. But again, I don't think it's a surprise that he's a success. I am trying to give some credit to Andy exactly. Reid and yeah. Eric Bieniemy, no. right? Like they they have a great plan for helping him.
0: Yeah, I mean, Andy Reid has been one of the best offensive coaches in this league for multiple decades now he was you know got to a super bowl with the eagles he's been a great coach there and taken to another level with the chiefs so yeah as great as mahomes is you got to give credit too to this coaching staff and what they've done
2: well and i think pete sees that very clearly andy Reid, one of the um preeminent coaches when you look at coaching trees and what he's done in the league and he certainly has pete's respect
1: he's done everything you know he's been an amazing coach uh at the championship level, but it's more than that. It's it's he's he's kind of set the tone for how things go kind of offensively you know around the league and, and they've been uh, been able to maintain a cutting edge of it you know with creativity and, and execution by their guys i mean he he lucked out you know patrick mahomes <laughs> was a great get that really helped but what they've done is they've adapted to what patrick is so good at and and uh and made him a great player and and so i mean and he deserves so much uh, and uh his effect and his style, but it's, it's like you said, it's his consistency that I admire the most.
0: You know, I asked Pete Carroll about that because, first and foremost, Pete Carroll loves the consistency. It's not just, oh, hey, go win a Super Bowl one year and then be 4 and 12 the next year. It's, he was really admired. It's why he loved the, what those Bills teams did back in the 90s, of, even though they didn't win the Super Bowl. They won year after year after year. And I mean, you look at the track record in Kansas City, Andy Reid. I mean, he's won double digit games every year, but one that he's been there and they went nine and seven that year. So it's I mean, basically a decade of being one of the best teams in the AFC. And I think this is what seven straight playoff bursts now for them. So You do that as a coach, you have Pete Carroll's admiration.
2: Not just playoff berths. It's seven straight division titles. Yeah,
0: and four straight times getting to the conference championship or deeper.
2: And I remember when he went to Kansas City after spending time in Philadelphia, and I thought, well, this is going to be weird seeing, you know, Andy Reid in Kansas City. I don't think I'm ever going to think of him as anything other than, Mm -hmm. right, the Eagles coach. And then you think now, boy, I can't even remember him with the Eagles because he's been so good with the Chiefs, I almost said Royals, how about that? Is it a slip between... Jeff. Wrong them. sport, <laughs> <laughs> so wrong sport. But you look, it is truly amazing, that consistency. You look at the seven straight division titles, that ties the third longest streak in NFL history. Only three players have been on the team for all seven of those seasons. Not even Patrick Mahomes goes back that far. Alex Smith would have been one of those quarterbacks. But Travis Kelsey is one of the three who has been part of all of it. I suppose that should not be a surprise because of what he has done and what he's meant to the current Chiefs offense.
1: They're both great players and and great uh, awareness players and they just make things happen out of the norm. The normal stuff they they're impeccable. That's the rhythm stuff in the zones and, they, and he's all over the place, available to the quarterback. But it's the other stuff too and the special plays and it's something to watch. There's a play when Patrick gets messed up and he's spinning around and and uh, coming off the ball. Kelsey gets knocked on. He f- goes to the ground, gets up. doesn't feel like he's in the play. Like the play's still going on and then he takes off across the field and Patrick hits him you know, down by the goal line. You know it's just amazing amazing stuff to watch just unusual things happen when those guys play and that's why they're so unique and special he's got 12 touchdowns he's got 80 something catches you know for, for a reason
0: yeah this is kelsey's seventh straight season with a thousand or more yards as p carroll said 12 touchdowns a career high i mean he's averaging double digit touchdowns the last three years so it's i mean they've got a lot of weapons there but it's gonna start with him and it's you know it Covering tight ends is tough. We always see it because they're so good at exploiting soft spots and defenses, finding holes in the zones. And it's, it can be maddening as a fan to watch where it's like, why is that guy's so open all the time? And it's, you know, we, We saw a tight end get the Seahawks a couple times last week, and Seahawks will need to play very well against Kelsey to to slow that offense down.
2: He is one of the reasons that Kansas City is averaging 309 passing yards a game. What does that mean for the secondary, John? And when you talk about tight ends getting open last week, I do think that there was some self-reflection from maybe some of the Seahawks' corners and, and DBs on how to do it better. If I'm looking for a silver lining in this game, I know that it is going to be tough to catch... Or to contain all of the pass catchers. But maybe at this point in the year, there's been enough of an inventory of plays, mm-hmm. mistakes, corrections, things that they focused on that maybe this is actually happening at the right time and a yeah, good time.
0: Yeah. I mean, we can all look at that second touchdown that Kittle had where it got wide open and you know, that was Tariq Woolen. and he's been really hard on himself and you know, he he's I'm sure vowing never to let that happen again, but it's, you know, it's, it's a young guy mistake as Clint hurt said it's, you know, he's responsible for the deep third there. He caught, he got caught watching a receiver on a in breaking route and didn't see Kittle leak out there. And that was, you know, the big play. So you know, overall, I I like what we've seen from just about everybody in the secondary recently coverage wise, those guys are playing good football. So I do like their chances to be competitive against this offense, but it's just one of those, you got to do right over and over again, because we've seen it a few times this year. What gets us defense is, you know, they're not just getting consistently gashed play after play after play. It's you do things right over and over and then just one big play kills you. And that's, I mean, you look at how many of the 49ers yards came on like three or four plays in that game. It was, you know, the two touchdowns, to Kittle, their other tight end got wide open once down the sideline. And then the one big run, that was like half their offense. So you just eliminate the mistakes that lead to those big plays. And I think this defense can play really well.
2: Well, and I think, you know, a lot of that is growing pains. And Mm -hmm. I think some of that was to be expected. And it doesn't feel good in the moment. We've said this before. Yeah. But it is all part of the process. Yeah, I
0: mean, you're not just the young guys out there, but also the defense is new. So even for the guys who are more veteran guys who've been here, a lot of what they're doing this year is different than what they've done in the past. So they're, you know, you don't want any growing pains. You want to be perfect every time. But unfortunately, that can happen sometimes.
2: Yeah, and you know what? Kansas City opens the door. We are going to get to Tyler Lockett and what the offense needs to do, Mm -hmm. but Kansas City opens the door to let teams hang around. Because if you watched any of that game against the Texans last week, which just felt weird and disjointed, it is certainly deceiving the fact that it goes to overtime and that Houston had a chance to win before Kansas City pulled it out. But Kansas City makes mistakes.
0: Yeah, I mean, they, they're they probably their biggest flaw for a team that's so good. Their biggest flaw has been turning the ball over this year. They've they have done it pretty consistently all year, and especially of late. The the biggest reason the Texans were in that game is they turned two short fields off turnovers into touchdowns, and Chiefs have turned it over eight times in the last four games. The Seahawks have, you know, they've been good at taking the ball away most of the year. They've, they're they on a little dry spell here the last couple weeks, but that, you know, if they're going to win this game, a great way to do it would be to get back on top of the turnover battle.
2: Well, and Pete talked about that is that this week more than any other week you are going to have to be on your P's and Q's and be fundamentally sound.
1: We've got to play really sharp football across the board. We've got to take advantage of all of the opportunities that get there. We've got to catch the interceptions. We got to we got to stay on sides. We got to not give them things. We got to make them have to work uh, and play a championship style game. If we can do that, then then we're now we're getting to where we're at our capabilities other than that we've come up short we've keep you know we keep knocking our head against the wall with a play here a play there and we haven't gotten rid of all of the stuff that that would allow you to play a great championship style game and so it's clean sharp focused disciplined, uh and, and and the precision has to be there and particularly in this game this is a freaking great game for us because if we don't play like that they beat you
0: You know he means business when he's tapping on that podium to emphasize (laughs) each point. You can hear it. Yeah, I mean, you know, he didn't specifically call it one play, but I'm sure as he's saying that, he's thinking of that fumble in the second quarter last week where you're right in that game. It's 7-3. You know it's going to be a defensive battle against that team and you had just driven down the field and scored a field goal. Your last possession, you're starting to feel better and it's late in the half. You got a chance to take the lead or make it a one-score game. Boom, fumble. They return it to the six-yard line. Quick touchdown. It's 14-3 and that's I mean, not that you don't still have a chance to get back in the game, but that makes it such an uphill battle against a team like that. And this is the same kind of challenge. You're facing a great team at home. If you give them opportunities like that, if you're not, you know, avoiding the costly mistakes, it's going to be real tough to win.
2: Well, and I'm not saying that any Seahawk held their head, hung their head after that play, but it has been week after week where these turnovers, and I wouldn't say there's ever a good turnover, but they have been critical. They've yeah. been in the red zone. They have killed so much momentum when the Seahawks had driven most of the length of the field. You have to wonder whether guys start thinking, oh, no, not this again. Yeah. You know, like just it, it kind of subconsciously gets in there and, and you start to feel like your snake bit when really it just needs to be about fundamentals.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's it's as simple as it gets. You know, Pete Carroll from day one, you go to that first meeting of training camp and they start out with it's all about the ball and the presentation about ball security and all that. So, you know, this team's historically under Pete Carroll been great at taking care of the ball. They've been a little bit, you know, they, uh, below their standard this year in that regard. And that's. You just can't have those turnovers on the road against a good team.
2: Well, and you can't have them when you're missing one of your key playmakers. Yeah, Tyler Lockett did not finish the game on Thursday night. I was surprised by that announcement post-game, what the injury was. I saw him on the bench. I didn't realize that it was a significant of an injury. He was kind of fighting doctors a little bit, didn't want to go inside. So I thought, oh, you know, they're just being... Mm-hmm. cautious about something like that and I was surprised but Tyler Lockett has undergone successful surgery on his hand timeline could actually be pretty favorable for the Seahawks but that doesn't make it easy this week
0: yeah I mean the good news is this is not a long-term injury there's a chance he even gets back for the week 17 game against the Jets but in the meantime you're doing something you've only done for one rate or sorry two regular season games in his career only one due to injury and that's play without Tyler Lockett he missed the last game of his second season after he broke his leg and he missed a game last year because of COVID. But basically for eight seasons, he's been the reliable steady guy out there and he's such a huge part of this offense. You know, the guy, you know, you can trust on third down and those big situations. So as Pete Carroll said, it's, it's not like, okay, now good Goodwin, go be Tyler Lockett. You can't ask one guy. He's just too special a player, but it's going to be a group effort of other receivers, tight ends. You, you know, hopefully you can run the ball better. Like you need everybody to pick up their game to make up for that absence.
2: Tyler Lockett is the Seahawks' leading receiver, both by yards and by receiving touchdowns. The thing that does not show up in those numbers is how many clutch catches how many times he is right at the sticks how many times he gets you whether it's the toe tap for the touchdown or just the necessary yard such a savvy player they're not going to have him and I wonder not just because of the loss to Tyler Lockett but because of the pressure that the defensive line from the Chiefs can cause I wonder how much we do see more of the tight ends involved because I think you're probably going to need some quick passes there Yeah.
0: yeah I mean we we've seen it throughout the year a lot of times when they need that quick passing game it's you know that quick hitter over the middle to Will Disley or roll Geno out and hit one of the tight ends out in the flat. And yeah, I think, you know, again, it's you can't ask one receiver, just step in and take over his production. So I could definitely see this being a good day f- to get the tight ends involved.
2: I've been reading some stuff coming out of Kansas City. Apparently, the illness that has hit various teams, including the Seahawks, is now going through the defensive line room for the Chiefs. So we'll see what that means. We do know that Chris Jones played a season-low 40 defensive snaps against the Texans. He did not record a stat. But overall, he's the guy. And you recognize the name Carlos Dunlap and Frank Clark from their time in Seattle. But, John, according to the numbers, and I don't know how they determine this, Chris Jones has more pass rushing wins than any other defensive player in the league.
0: I mean, it doesn't surprise me. He's just a, a force in the middle of that defensive line. And, and, you know, we've seen it year after year. It's a, it's really hard to find those super disruptive interior line guys. They're, they're a rare breed, but when you have them, man, I mean, they can just wreck an offense for you. And, you know, they, if they're collapsing in the pocket, they're getting to the quarterback, all those things. So, you know, as much as those edge rushers are familiar to Seahawks fans and they're good players, I think your first concern has to be how your interior line holds up to that.
2: 11 sacks, that is tied for the seventh most in the league. We are going to get to special teams in just a second, but first, let's get a word from our presenting sponsor.
0: The best stories aren't the ones you're told. They're the ones you live. Meeting people in person, facing challenges face-to-face, getting out of your hometown and your comfort zone. Delta knows how important it is to see a different point of view from a different point of view. So, for those who want their own story to tell, Delta Airlines has a world full of places to start. Delta, the official airline of the Seahawks.
2: True or false, John, you will venture out into potentially zero degree weather to have barbecue in Kansas City. Uh,
0: man, that's a tough choice. Like, really, it's part, an Uber, John. I know, but I like when I'm in the city, I like to walk and you know, I, well, you're welcome. How, I got to find out what the farthest barbecue is quality barbecue option is but yeah i I could take a new some barbecue you kind of kind of got to try it while you're there right kind of got to right it's been a while since i've been to kansas city but that's what i do remember last time was really good barbecue dinner
2: i do love kansas city you know kansas city is the city of fountains did you know that i did not yeah there's a lot of fountains
0: around including at their baseball stadium
2: yeah i'm very curious to see what happens (laughs) <laughs> Within the weather, is hopefully so they cold. turn them off. Did it they drain dangerous. them? Like, I they yeah. must have, they yeah. must take care of them better than I take care of things at home. Yeah, we mentioned it is going to be a cold one for the Seahawks. How many players come out shirtless for warm ups I
0: mean, DK said he might do There's it. There's no I, way. I just I've never understood no the way. wisdom of that, but yeah, I mean, it's as Pete like, Carroll brought up in his press conference, Bud Grant in his hmm. 80s at the time, I think was even fin- maybe in his 90s, by it, then, but we, in his uh, 80s. Came out for the pregame coin toss negative six degrees in a polo shirt, no sleeves. So, you know, I guess if Bud Grant can do it, a few players can do it. But, you know, it's I guess it's a, a fun way to experience the cold full on. But yeah, I, is it fun? Fun is, you know, up for interpretation. But I, <laughs> I, you're talking to the guy who's going to be like in a sweater in a press box. So yeah. I'm, I'm, meanwhile, not really my
2: entire suitcase is winter gear. Going to look like I'm hitting the ski slopes. Um, When we talk about weather and this team, this is why we save special teams for now. All the position players are like, yeah, it's the ball's going to be a little harder. You know, just physically when it's that cold outside, they don't anticipate it's going to affect them a whole lot. But it does absolutely affect special teams because I would not actually want to kick a football in this weather. Sounds painful. But what we have seen, John, is that this special teams unit is really, really good consistently all year but now they're at the top of the rankings
1: well we have really good skill guys and you know kicking the ball I and mean, that's that's you know, the kicker and the punter are fantastic and and they can do everything that anybody can do but that's just that's the highlight of it you know and uh, what it is is the core the core group that uh, tracy and and uh, Larry Izzo put together out there they've got a really good complementary group of guys that play it's led by Ballour. Um but Cody and, and Tanner and uh, you now Johnny Radigan's back out there doing stuff and uh, you know, all of the guys that have contributed we have really good perimeter play gunners and, and hold up guys we rarely you know have big 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 errors and penalties are not a big factor for us we're really good at that so um, it's just a, it's a complete group.
0: Yeah, the, the rankings you refer to, the football outsiders as their DVOA, which tries to kind of measure everything a team's doing, play after play. So it's it's a pretty thorough ranking, the Seahawks did move to number one special teams. It has been, you know, it, it's most obvious to notice kicker and punter, and they've been really good. You know, we'll find out Pro Bowl teams later today, but both of those guys are, are deserving. But it's, you know, the coverage teams have been really good. The blocking, we've seen the kick return game with Godwin Igwebuk,
2: Igwe Buque with
0: Godwin Igwe Buque getting some big returns the last few weeks and or last two weeks excuse me and uh it's to me what's most impressive about this is the turn they made from early in the season when they were playing well overall but were just having some pretty catastrophic mistakes and we've talked about it earlier in the year it was I think it was like four games early on where they either gave up a score or set up a score with a mistake on special teams. so once they clean that up that's been a huge strength of this team once again. That's just been a really good unit in earlier iso.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it is often underrated, but those guys have been doing a heck of a job. Jason Myers with six field goals of 50 plus yards that ties Hausch money, Stephen Hauschka for the most in franchise history in a single season. I don't think we're looking for him to break that record this week. That would yeah, be Yeah, that'd be a tough ask. That would be a tough <laughs>
0: ask. Let's nuts. Kick, kick this frozen <laughs> rock 50 yards. Oh, it just makes my feet
2: hurt thinking yeah. about it. Oh, gosh. Well, that's what they—that's why they do what they do and why we do this. And the final thing we need to do, get two things that you need to see for a Seahawks win. What you got?
0: I feel like I've been harping on turnovers every week, uh-huh. but until it gets right, I'm going to bring uh-huh. it up. And it I'm not even going to ask for my usual no turnovers. That would be great, but just win the turnover battle. If, if you mm. give one up and get two or three back, fine with me. But I want to see, you know, again, this is a Chiefs offense that for as good as they are, has been prone to giving it up a little bit. So get back to taking the ball away, win the turnover battle. And then I want to see some semblance of a good run game out of the Seahawks. It doesn't need to just be dominant, but get back to, you know, getting over 100 rushing yards, taking some pressure off the passing game, especially if the wind picks up and it's really cold and hard to throw the ball. Just get get a quality run game going to avoid some third and long situations.
2: I think you just like pointing out how miserable it could potentially be on the
0: field. Nope, nope, nope.
2: That's what we're doing here. Here's what I want to see. I am all on board with the turnovers, but I want to see no penalties up front. Arrowhead rivals Lumen Field as one of the loudest places I have ever experienced a football game. Don't let the crowd affect you. Hold your water, guys. You cannot be dinking around with these five-yard penalties or having plays get called back because of something that happened at the line of scrimmage. Be on the same page. No penalties at the line of scrimmage. And... Let's keep Gino clean this week. Just yeah. give him a little bit of time. I know that that is a tough ask for those guys that have played so many snaps, but he's been hit an awful lot the last few weeks. Mm. I, I'm not going to put a number on it. Just keep him clean. Give him just a little time for those short passes.
0: I, I'm sorry, Jen. Should my key to the game have been, you know, someone make sure they bring Jen a hot beverage oh, at, yes. at, every quarter. Yes. Like a hot toddy or yeah. just some some hot chocolate said. Ma- Maybe John. by the fourth quarter we can. Maybe. I'm going to talk little... to the
2: equipment guys yeah. about this. Thank you for that. That's and my thank key. you for listening. We'll be back next week following the holiday with a brand new edition of the Seahawks Insider's podcast.